The nail in the coffin! It's episode number 71 of The Nail. Tom Valentino, Travis Uli coming at you on a rare Sunday night appearance. Trav, how you doing, bud? Doing well, Tino. How was your weekend? Uh, not too bad. Pretty busy, but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm thinking it's probably good. You know, we were thinking about jumping on uh, the Facebook Live during the first night of the NFL draft. What was that, Thursday? And yeah. for a variety of reasons, didn't, uh, didn't pan out, and... I'm thinking uh, probably a good thing, uh, based on the text messages I got from you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that would be an understatement. Um, went from jubilation to just outrage. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was a. Uh, I was probably not not in a uh, not much of a mood to speak at the moment. Well, let's put the jubilation on hold for a second. The uh, explain to me what your outrage was. Um, well, I went into the draft and my, my opinion going into the draft was obviously Garrett at one was a no brainer. So I was fine with that. And I had a few different guys. I was like, if they could find a way to get, um, Malik Cooker or Jonathan Allen or Ruben Foster, um, I'd be happy with that. I I think at the time we were looking at it and I was thinking there's, it's very doubtful. Any of those guys dropped to them at 12, but if they're lucky and one of them does, I'm going to be really happy with how they, if they take one, how their draft looks. Um, all three of them did. And instead of taking one of them, um, they decided to take an extra first round pick next year, which in all likelihood will probably be in the mid twenties again. Um, and move down. Ironically, Ruben Foster made it to them again. And they <laughs> passed on him twice, um, for a guy who, um, Joe Burrell Peppers, who is athletic and, you know, a hell of a hell of a college football player, but a guy who I cannot see in any way, shape and form um, being a first round caliber NFL safety. So um, he was one of those guys coming into the draft that I just looked at and I don't like. I just don't see him being an impact player in the NFL in general. Um, I don't think he can do. I don't think he can do any of the things well enough to, in a certain position, like whatever position he ends up in, whether it's safety or linebacker. I don't think he can do all of the things he needs to do well enough to be good at that position. And I don't think the the jack of all trades um, role can be that effective in the NFL like it is in college, where you can just be a supreme athlete and, you know, get by on that, which is what he did. So, you know, it, it, um, I, I'm going to draw a weird analogy here, but uh, I listen to a radio station out of Canada, uh, London, Ontario, FM 96, and there's this local brewery up there that advertises Steam Whistle Pilsner, and their motto is they do one thing really, really well, as in they only make that one Pilsner beer. They don't mess around with anything else. And what it seems like you're saying, your frustration with Peppers is, is he can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that pretty decently but having like elite nfl caliber talent at any one specific position not so sure exactly and and the comparison that i heard several times by people um was that he's a swiss army knife you know he could do all these different things and i thought that was a great analogy but for the wrong reasons have you ever tried to use a swiss army knife it (laughs) sucks at everything it does like you use it to open a can because you don't have an actual can opener You use the scissors in it because you're stranded in the woods and you don't have scissors. I want scissors. I don't want some guy that can fill in and kind of do the same thing, but in a shittier way. Um, The analogy I said was we got a Swiss army knife. I wanted the fucking crocodile Dundee knife (laughs) and we got a Swiss army knife. Fair, fair. So just to be clear on this, you're, I, your love of Ohio State and the Buckeyes is well known, uh, certainly to our listeners. But uh, your frustrations with this had nothing to do with Malik Hooker, the Buckeye, and Jabril Peppers, the Michigan Wolverine. This was 
talent at the next level and fit and elite uh, and uh, Hooker being a potentially elite safety and Peppers not looking like that to you. Correct. I the only the only reason that the Michigan thing matters at all is because if he hadn't gone to Michigan again, if he'd gone somewhere else, I probably wouldn't have watched him as much as I did. I wouldn't really have that strong of an opinion about him. Um, I probably watched a vast majority. I'm not going to say all. I probably missed one or two Michigan games this year, but I watch. I mean, I watch a lot of Big Ten football in general. So I saw a lot of Michigan. I saw a lot of Jabril Peppers. He's a guy that I think I think he could be a good NFL player for a lot of teams. I don't think the Browns are in a position because he's a guy that's he's sort of like a luxury pick to me. You know, he's kind of like Zeke Elliott was last year for the Cowboys. If you put him into a good position and there's a lot of other guys and he has the freedom to sort of do a lot of different things because you have reliable safeties and you have reliable linebackers already, then it makes a lot of sense. But if you're bringing him as a first round pick and you're expecting him to be the guy that's doing all that stuff, I just don't I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Okay. Okay. So when you said you you started the night with jubilation, was that because the Browns did not shoot themselves in the foot by trying to outsmart the room with the number one pick and they just did the obvious thing? Or or was it that uh, all those guys were on the board at 12? That's where I was really excited. I I didn't I never really bought the stuff that they were going to take Trubisky at one. Um, That seemed like such a weird long shot. And I'm not sure where it came from all of a sudden, but it came up a lot, obviously, at the the 11th hour there um i never really bought it and i didn't really think they were going to go anywhere else i thought there was an off excuse me i thought there was an off chance that they might trade down i didn't know how far they were thinking of trading down but it wouldn't it's hard to say that i would have been mad if they traded down because i wouldn't have known what they would have gotten for it like without knowing what sort of value they'd get back it might not have been the worst thing ever um but I'm glad that they stayed pat, that made the right decision, took the best player in the draft, regardless of position. They didn't try to force the quarterback just because they need a quarterback. Um, so I was happy about that. And then, yeah, the fact that all three guys that I really would have liked as a second pick were there in front of them um, also made me very excited. That's where I got the happiest. And then five minutes later, I was not as happy anymore. See, I was really happy with them taking Miles Garrett. And I mean, there's no such thing as a sure thing. And, you know, if any other team was involved at the top of the draft, I feel like that still would have been a no brainer because he was the clear cut consensus top guy in this draft. And I know some people have some concerns about him here or there, but uh, Garrett just seemed like, you know, there have been so many times when the Browns have tried to get cute in the draft and, and, and do things that even in the moment, you know, this is a horrible idea. And, I feel like this is the one instance where like they had a pick at the top of the draft and this is the guy that, that if they take and it doesn't pan out, nobody's going to be looking back at them three or four years from now saying like, you fucking idiots, you, you tried to outsmart everybody and take miles Garrett. It's like, this was the, this, it was the obvious pick for a reason. And it was nice to me that they finally were willing to just go that route. Um, I was really surprised that Trubisky, uh, still ended up being the first quarterback off the board. Um, really? Yeah, I, I guess I was just because, I mean, he had 13 starts in college and, um, you know, I, I think for a lot of the reasons that I was glad that the Browns didn't take him just in terms of like, I didn't feel like he needed the burden of being like the hometown hero uh, here in Cleveland and just unrealistic expectations and the pressure that comes with it. I, I feel like in some ways, and I'm kind of shifting gears here, I know, but I feel like in some ways, like Chicago put a giant bullseye on his back by like the circumstances under which they ended up drafting him by moving up from three to two when it came out a day later that they were basically bidding against themselves. Yeah, I mean, the trade up from Chicago makes no sense to me whatsoever. Cause I don't think anybody thought San Francisco was taking him. Right. Um, and I don't know that there was a lot of suitors trying to trade up and steal him. You know, that so. was the thing. Like there was this whole idea that like, Oh, so they're bidding against somebody else that wants to leapfrog the bears and take Mitch Trubisky. And then like the reports came out a day later. Well, like, well, this team didn't uh, jets didn't. And a, a couple others, they mentioned, it's like, 
I don't think anybody else was betting against them. They they got rooked. And I think that like Chicago fans are looking at that like not only did we take a quarterback with only 13 starts, but we moved up to get him when nobody else was trying to do it. So um, tough reception for him at the Bulls game on Friday night. I don't know if you saw that. No, really? Oh, yeah. This was uh, it was it was it was um, it was kind of awkward because he was at the Bulls uh, Celtics game. And I guess during a, a TV break, they introduced him to the crowd and, and there was uh, not a warm reception. And when they came back on ESPN, Mike Breen said uh, uh, polite applause for Mitch Trubisky <laughs> and uh, quickly shifted uh, the conversation to something else. But uh, from the, the people who are in the building, they said uh, a lot of booze came out. And I, I, I joked that uh, Breen was going to the uh, WWE announcer playbook for Roman Reigns when he comes out. So uh, the quote unquote <laughs> mixed reaction, but no, I just, funny. I want to see, I, I like that kid. I, I, I you know, enjoyed covering him at Menor and I want to see him do well and I want to see him in the best situation. And it was like, for that reason that I wasn't real thrilled about the idea of him coming to the Browns. So, um, you know, to get, getting him already put behind the eight ball in Chicago with the circumstances under which he was drafted, I, I'm just kind of like, oh man, you know, I, I I hope things calm down there a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I I never really understand that. Your team has the the whole booing him thing. Like, your team has it now. You should probably want him to do well. If you get him boo anybody, boo the the GM that picked him. If you don't like the pick, but he didn't pick himself. No. <laughs> what has he done wrong? Give give the guy a chance. He's your quarterback now. They just spent a lot to get him. So, um, and. I guess that's a little disingenuous considering I, I, I spent the whole uh, a good 45 to an hour complaining about Jabril Peppers on the draft. But um, <laughs> I, I want to I'm with you on the whole hometown thing. I thought that was just not going to be a good situation, um, not just because of where the Browns are, but just because of a combination of things, you know, having everyone around. I, I think and this is sort of probably not what you normally think i'm not sure he would have been in the um like you always see guys when it seems like and this came up with cardell jones a lot when they were talking about him potentially coming to cleveland um which seems like forever ago but i know uh, <laughs> uh they were like well you know there's a lot of distractions and things around if he's you know in his hometown and there's a lot of people trying to pull him in all different directions and stuff um, I don't really get the feeling that that would have been an issue because um, Trubisky seems like he's probably got a pretty good head on his uh, head on his shoulders. And he's, I don't know that that was going to be a big thing. It's just sort of all the pressure that goes along with being from Cleveland and playing for Cleveland um, probably would have just, you know, sort of it'll weigh on a guy, you know, it's just yeah, a little I, more pressure than you probably want a 21, 22 year old guy to, to start with. And it was for different reasons, but you know, I think you and I were the ones texting about this the other night that, you know, you look at a guy like Johnny Manziel and just the microscope that he was under when he came here. And that was all self-inflicted. I mean, that guy had a, a marketing machine behind him and he was, all the, all the flash and and everything and you know just his whole career and at A and M and the way he played down there and, and the way he conducted himself off the field it just it made him a magnet for attention and for completely different reasons I felt like Mitch would have had the exact I mean would have had a very similar level of of attention and and spotlight and pressure here but I don't really feel like it would have been of his own doing like getting dropped in, it's not his fault he was born. And, and grew up in Lake County. You know, it, it's not his fault that the Browns have had you know, 20 quarterbacks and, uh, you know, what is it now, 26? I, I've lost count. But, um, and maybe that's one you don't hold against uh, old Johnny football either. But, you know, just everything that the way that Mitch Trubisky carried himself leading up to the draft maybe seemed like, you know, seems like a great kid and, and you know, had everything the right way. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens for him with the Bears. But, uh, you know, just kind of while we're on the subject of quarterbacks, the Browns ended up taking one after all. How did you feel about Deshaun Kaiser when it, that pick went down on Friday? And now that you've had 48 hours to sit on it, what are you thinking now? Um, I don't hate it. Um, 
admittedly, they have so many damn holes, and quarterback is always going to be the, the big one. It's just sort of, to me, it's one of these things, he's got the potential, and everyone sees he's got the talent, but does it make sense for the Browns? It's sort of weird because him and Kessler are like polar opposites. They're nothing alike whatsoever. So the fact that they're not necessarily like married to a type of quarterback is good is is encouraging to me. They just, you know, took the guy that they thought um, could be the best one. That being said, I, I don't really expect this time next year. I don't expect us to have our quarterback still. So even like, I I find it highly unlikely that Kaiser comes out and has, you know, a great season or something, Um, which in turn is probably going to have us looking for a quarterback next year is what I'm saying. I guess if we're taking a quarterback early in the, in the first round next year, if we somehow happen to be near the top again, which I don't know. We're probably in agreement that they're not going to win a whole lot of games, but (laughs) I think it looks like one of those situations where they're going to win four or five, which is going to put them, you know, one to two spots away from getting the guy that they want to get, which we've, I mean, we've seen for how long now. Um, So I'm fine with the pick. I think it's good. He's, he's really raw. Like he's obviously got a lot to work on, a lot of improvement to make, but talent wise and tools wise, I'm fine with it. And maybe they, you know, maybe they get lucky and he's a guy that one of those non first round type guys that happens to develop. I'm not, not angry about it. I don't love it. I wasn't going crazy. Um, Admittedly, I didn't watch a ton of Deshaun Kaiser. It concerns me that they were really bad last year, but like you said, Brian Kelly has a, he he takes a lion's share, I think, of all the failure that's going on at, at that school right now. I kind of give pretty much everyone there a pass because I think he's just a clown in general. <laughs> like he's, yeah. I think most everything that is going wrong in in South Bend is is on his is on his shoulders. So here's a stat for you that just completely Ooh, blew I love my mind. Stats. I love so uh, one of my favorite follows on on Twitter, uh, Cleve Ta. Oh yeah. He um, he pointed out that Kaiser is the first quarterback that the Browns have drafted who's at least six foot three and younger than 28 years old since 2007. <laughs> that's that's a really funny like it's a really random like thing to look up, but. I, I'd like, I didn't believe it. I had, I was like, you think about all the guys that they've taken flyers on over the years and, or the guys that they've like traded up for in the first round. I mean, all the guys like Brady Quinn is the last one. And he was the first of the three failures at pick number 22. Um, but I mean, obviously Johnny football was uh, uh, nowhere near six foot three, even standing on a couple of phone books. And um, Brandon Whedon, uh, I think, is uh, going to be collecting Social Security. Um, and then if you get into get, all the... If you can get out from underneath the flag. If, that's right. Which, by the way, that joke never sounds to be funny. <laughs> I was at that game, too. And it was like, it was a bad sign right from the get-go yeah, when I saw that happening. Appropriate start to a career. Oh, my yeah. God. It, it, uh, I'm like, this is not what I want out of my uh, my starting quarterback today. This is This is bad. Welcome to the league, kid. Oh, my God. But, you know, you kid, just think about Sorry, Connor Shaw and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that drafted. Like, uh, I, I thought Kevin Hogan might have been, but they did not draft him. They got him from Kansas City after uh, their, the, the Chiefs drafted him. And there's a few other ones that, uh, yeah, they have not drafted somebody um, who's at least six foot three. So if nothing else... Um, both in terms of like having a guy that's actually big enough to see over the line and um, not yet old enough to rent a car. I, 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 that's promising. It's a start. I I can build on this, I guess, if I'm looking for uh, positives with a quarterback and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're, they're taking a shot at something. Cause like the, the first thing that like I walked away from Thursday night when they had all those moves and you know, they traded down uh, from 12 and then they traded back into the first round for a third pick and 
that tight end out of Miami, I, I don't know anything about him, but just everything I've read sounds super interesting. Um, but, you know, just out of all that, I just went to bed that night saying, like, I can't believe they're really going to roll into the seat. And, oh, that was the other thing. So, like, there was the, the talk that they, like, tried making another call on Garoppolo. And then there was those rumors about Kirk Cousins surfacing during the first round, which I think was probably a, a bunch of um, BS. But yeah, that was weird. That was that was a fun little diversion while we were letting some picks right. go by. But, you know, just all this stuff was all these wheels turning. And I'm like, there's no way we're really going into the season with Brock Eisweiler, Cody Kessler and um, Kevin Hogan as your quarterbacks. Right. Like you there's got to be something happening here. And I felt like the Garoppolo thing once the first round was over. I'm like, OK, that's done. If that was happening, it would have would have happened during the first round. So it was like, what what are they going to do here? Um, so I was not totally shocked that they went and pulled the trigger. Let me ask you this, like out of all those quarterbacks, including the guys in the first round, would it shock you if like five to 10 years from now, Kaiser ended up being the best one out of all of them? Honestly. And I've heard some people say this, would it shock me? No, but I, well, I guess maybe it would surprise me a lot. I don't. And admittedly, a lot of this is because he's now in Cleveland. Like, I don't, I don't. I don't I don't even know what to say, really. I don't know how he – I have a hard time envisioning a scenario where he is very good. I think Deshaun Watson's going to be pretty good. Um, I don't really have a strong feeling about any of the other guys, Trubisky or Mahomes. Um, I think Deshaun Watson's going to be pretty damn good, and I don't really know that I can envision a scenario where um, Deshaun Kaiser is really good. That's fair, and and I guess the circumstances that those two guys are walking into would have to play a huge role in that, right? Sure. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, think, I, 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 I mean, Watson's in a great scenario. Absolutely. And I, I got to imagine that when he saw that the Texans were trading up to take him, he had to Ecstatic. just feel like he hit the lottery. But, oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, Mahomes, I mean, I, I didn't really see much of him in college, but where do you go? Kansas City? Yeah, and he's one of those guys that if you're playing at Texas Tech, like you can pretty much throw everything you do out the window, right? Like yeah. You can't, you can't take anything from it. So he's all on tools, um, which is fine. I mean, that doesn't mean he can't be good. I, I don't – I haven't – I don't purport to be a scout of any kind, but he, he strikes me as a guy who is, is probably a very – Deshaun Kaiser-ish, like a lot of raw tools, a lot of stuff to work on still, but... But he's another guy that's getting thrown into an awesome situation. Like, Kansas City's really good. And and he's not going to start, I imagine. Exactly. He can can wait a while. Right. I don't know that Watson's going to have that luxury, but um, he's also going in a situation where there's an incredible defense, some pretty damn good, like Deshaun... Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the league. So he's already got that there for him. Um, it, it's kind of perfect for a guy like him, I think, um, oh. because he'll have a little bit of room to make mistakes because, I mean, they made the playoffs last year and they had horrible quarterback play. Well, let me ask you this. You know, we were talking about those those other guys being afforded the luxury. Um, how much of a luxury does Deshaun Kaiser have with the Browns? Um, this is, a, I'm going to ask you a, a two-part question here. Number one, out of the four quarterbacks that the Browns now have, who starts in week one? And number two, how long do we go this year before we see Kaiser playing? Uh, for the first one, my money is on Kessler. Me too. Um, and for the second one, how long till we see Kaiser play? Mm-hmm. I don't... Truthfully, if Kessler stays healthy, I have a hard time thinking that he's going to play his way out of the position. I think he's going to be, he's not going to, he's not going to be overly impressive. He's not going to, you know, knock your socks off, but he's going to be steady. He's going to not make huge mistakes. He's going to be okay. And the team's not going to be that good anyways. So I could see him. I mean, but that's also a huge caveat. Staying healthy as a quarterback for the Browns is 
not nothing you'd put money on. Let's let's just say it that way. Um, you don't. So, but the flip side of that is, if there was one thing that they really invested money in in free agency, it was trying to improve sure. their offensive line. So yeah, the offensive line. I mean, in theory, should be pretty damn good next year. Um, it can't be any worse than what he played behind last year. Oh my god, I don't want to see that ever again. <laughs> um, I just feel bad for anybody that has to get hit that much. Um, so yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see Kaiser for sure this year. I mean, that's the first time we've sort of, at least the first time I would have said that in recent memory, um, that you're not going to see a whole lot of, is he going to be the, we, we still don't know what Osweiler's deal is. Is, is Kaiser going to be the second guy or the third guy? Yeah. I mean, if Osweiler's on the roster, I would assume he's going to be the number two quarterback, but whether he's still here by the time the season starts, I think is debatable. Um, what, would be, what would be the what would be the incentive to get rid of him? I don't imagine anyone's going to take him off your hands. Um, At this point, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, unless there's a team, I mean, I was going to say something along the lines of like needing an emergency quarterback, but I got to believe there's better options out there for the money. Uh, so oh, yeah. I I can't even see like a team wanting him that in that capacity. So yeah, I mean it's it's hard to envision a scenario right now. Um I, I'm just, you know, I'm looking ahead. I think the Browns bye week is in week nine. And um to your point of what you were saying earlier that we're still gonna go into the twenty eighteen draft needing a quarterback. Um if if things go as south as what we fear they might again, um I can't imagine you can get through the entire season without seeing Kaiser play a little bit. I, I would be kind of curious to know. I, I mean, are you willing to like go into a draft if you have like a really high pick and you might be in position to draft a quarterback without even seeing him play at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting point. I mean, who knows? It's funny that, you know, it's it's very Brownsian of us that <laughs> draft twenty seventeen just ended and we're already talking draft twenty eighteen. That is um, as Browns as it gets, my man. Pure, that is pure Browns right there. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, the thing is, and this I know this gets beat to death. People talk about this all the time, and it's always we always hear about how next year is going to be, you know, the quarterback heavy draft. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up. Go ahead. Every year has been. And two things always happen. One, those quarterbacks that we thought were going to be great 12 months months from now, you know, that were going to be the big names in the draft, we see them play another season in college football and we're not as impressed as we thought we would be. Look, it happened with Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson was the quarterback we all thought he was 12 months ago, the Browns would have taken him first. Um, And that's not to say he's not going to be good. It's just that he wasn't wasn't the can't miss guy that everyone thought he was going to end up being. And he uh, still went in and ended up lighting it up in the championship game. Yeah. Against he Bama. Season. Yeah. He had a hell of a season. I mean, he won a national title, looked incredible on the biggest stage two years in a row. Um, it, but it's just one of those things that every year we're always talking, well, next year's quarterbacks are going to be better. A lot of times they're not. And a lot of times we don't even have the choice to get the one we want anyways. So, I mean, yeah, it always seems like the more tape you get on a player, the more reasons you can find to pick them apart. And, you know, we get, you know, circling back to Mitch Trubisky, it might have been the best thing for him yeah. that he only had 13 starts because, yeah. sure. uh, you know, he can he can get in and out of college uh, pretty quickly and, and leave on a high note. Um, I mean, shit, if if Deshaun Kaiser was in last year's draft, I, I can't imagine his he would have gone any lower than this year. I, I think he's probably a first rounder. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally off on that, but I, I think a lot of the struggles that he had in his last season with Notre Dame uh, certainly hurt his draft stock. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, um, for sure. I mean, if you went and looked at mock drafts at the end of last season, I guarantee they had him going much earlier than this. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you're so. looking at those quarterbacks for next year, I mean, what we're, we're hearing, uh, uh, Sam Darnold from USC and then uh, Rosen from, from UCLA. Uh, UCLA. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I know Darnold was super fun to watch in the Rose Bowl, but, um, you know, he has to go through the Pac-12 again. That uh, let, Let's see if he can do it again. I mean, they're going to have – the whole league's going to have a year of tape on him now. And um, if he still lights it up, then, yeah, okay, maybe he's still at the top of the draft board when you get into late April 2018. But I don't know. That's that's a lot of hurdles to clear in the meantime. Yeah, and Darnold's one of those guys I think, like, he he's looked really good obviously, um, on the field. But you look at the way that he's built, he's that kind of guy that I think was sort of missing from this draft, that that big, thick, strong, tall, like every, every other quarterback in the AFC North. <laughs> um, okay. so, so I think a lot of it is tied to that. And, yeah, he can wing the ball around. He's really big, really strong, really durable. Um and yeah, he, I mean, he has it developed a lot over the one year he's been playing. So he's that guy I think that you're going to hear about for the next 12 months. We'll see if he builds upon it in the next college season, obviously. Um, I know there's a kid, I think, out of Wyoming, too, or something that's supposed to be um, flying up boards. I can't, I don't, can't remember his name, but um, so, yeah, we'll see if the guys that everyone thinks now are the, the ones that are going to be you know, the top guys next year at this time. Any other uh, draft-related thoughts, Browns or otherwise, other teams? Anything else jump at you? I don't know that they're also um, one of the most Browns things I heard from the draft is uh, they drafted a guy who has a uh, pending, I'm not sure what it is, if it's if, it's, if he's being arrested or if he's being charged or what it is. Um, but has a very sketchy legal situation going on. Um, and the Browns basically said, uh, we'll continue to look into it and we'll see if we want to keep him or not. Yes. This, uh, uh, Caleb Brantley out Caleb of Florida. Florida. Yeah. So, I, have, so, I have to tell you, they, I about fainted because the, I was not really watching the draft when that whole thing unfolded. And the first thing I saw in my Twitter timeline was Cleveland Brantley, assault charge pending assault charge oh man and i'm like what in the fuck is going on because obviously if you're hearing cleveland and brantley like you're not thinking of a kid out of florida you're thinking about the indians (laughs) so um pure relief then when i saw that the link to the story was uh something on pro football talk i i exhaled and picked myself up off the floor um but yeah you kind of feel like the browns aren't in the position to be uh, rolling the dice on players who might be going to jail before they reach minicamp. But um, I, I, I don't know. Um, that was, that's, that's strange and we'll see what happens, but at least for now, I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head. Um, you know, the big, the biggest takeaway that I had, and just as somebody who loves college football, I, and I'll be curious to hear what you think about this. Um, not a good weekend for bowl games, not called the national championship game. Um, because if you look at it like Fournette out of LSU and Christian McCaffrey out of Stanford, both sat out their bowl games and they went in the top 10. So anybody who is on ESPN and trying to keep the ratings propped up for those bowl games trying to tell you what a huge mistake those kids are making and how they're selling out their teammates and blah, blah, blah. Um, certainly didn't seem like they were penalized at all. Whereas Jake Butt goes and plays in Michigan's bowl game and wrecks his ACL and how far down the, what he, fourth round, third round? Yeah, fourth, I think. He fourth. Was too, was he? Which there's no way in hell I think he's going that low without the injury in the bowl game. So um, you saw very clear examples of both um, both sides of the ledger there, playing versus not playing. And I think we're going to see more guys doing that unless they have something really to gain um, and they feel like they really have something to prove going into the bowl games. Like, I, I think Deshaun Watson probably helped his stock with the way he played in the playoff and in, in, in the, the championship game against Bama. Um, and, and I have a hard time. I, I still, even through all this, I can't imagine anybody's going to sit out the playoff uh, round or the national championship game, but any bowl below that 
I think is fair game for guys to say thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, and I, I, I honestly don't really have a problem with it. There's, it's obviously going to depend on each guy's situation. Um, Fournette was a, you know, a completed project. He didn't have anything else to prove. He'd done everything he could. He was going to be, you know, an early first-round pick no matter what. Um, same with McCaffrey, although personally I think uh, I think Curtis Samuel is going to be going to be the better player for them. Um, I think I'm not sure how he got. I'm not sure how he projects exactly, but I feel like him and McCaffrey are very similar players. Um, and I just have an affinity for Curtis Samuel because I don't think he got the credit he deserved last year. Um, Carolina's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, so, but ultimately, you're right. I mean, you're. I think you're also going to see a surge in guys setting out meaningless bowl games and a surge in guys doing what Jake Butt did, which is getting that, that loss of value insurance that he got. So he got the pocket, I think close to $2 million by dropping. Wow. Um, yeah. He had to pay. I think, I think I read 25 grand was what he had to pay for the, the rider or whatever. And ended up, and I'm not sure how, exactly how much it is. Cause it, it depends how much he fell, but it was worth up to 2 million. And I know at one point he was already close to a million. It it was funny because it asked the amount he got escalated every pick that he didn't get picked. So it's funny if you're looking at him, he's probably like he was probably I'm not sure if he was a first round talent, but he was probably at least a second round guy projection um, before he got hurt. So he's sitting there watching himself drop. The further he drops, though, the more money he makes. So it, it puts him in sort of a weird position, and I'm not sure um, how he felt about it. But the fact of the matter is that is one of those things that I think is really good for college kids that I think we're going to see a surge in lately and um, smart moves from kids. And I like the fact that they can do that, too. So they sort of, you know, you can put it, you can have control over it, whether you want to play in a bowl game or you want to, you know, cover your ass in case you do get hurt it's up to you you have mm-hmm. those options available but i think yeah if you're a solid first round lock type guy like fernando mccaffrey there's really no incentive to play in you know in the citrus bowl or whatever the hell it is yeah um you know and, and jake Budd, I, I think ended up going to a, a pretty good team the broncos i mean i know their quarterback situation is still you know i mean <sighs> Who's even quarterbacking for them now? Is it, are they still rolling with Simeon, or have they gotten anybody else? I, I don't – I'm blanking. As far as I know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's a good franchise, and, and they're run well. And that that's – if you're going to fall that far um, and you're going to land on a pillow made of $2 million in cash, that doesn't hurt either. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, he'll be fine. But but that was um, – it was interesting. So we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, how that goes. Yeah. Um, all right, let's. Uh, you got uh, another fifteen twenty. You want to go on the Cavs? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right. Well, it's uh, it's been a while since we've seen the Cavs play. It's been a even longer time since you and I have talked about them. I don't think you and I were on here last uh, talking Cavs since they were halfway through the series with the Pacers. Well, yeah. So, um, what uh, what did you take away from the last two games in that series, and how do you feel about the matchup with Toronto? Um, I'll answer the second one first. I feel, I feel really, I feel really good about a matchup with Toronto. They're just one of those teams that I don't, I don't really take seriously. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that Toronto was able to, to beat Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee was going to take that series. Um, but overall I feel good about the chances against Toronto. Obviously we should. And I think it's probably going to be a four to five game series. I just don't think. Toronto has it but to answer your first question um the last two games of that series were were interesting I'm not I I don't really know what how to put them um which game was the blowout that turned was that game three or game two game three was when the Cavs fell behind by 26 and and they come back all right so we haven't we didn't talk about that we haven't talked about that game no okay so that game I don't really know what to think of it. I don't know that you can take anything of it either way, except LeBron James is really good. And as long as he's on your team, you're never really out of a game. Um, Obviously, 
against a team like Indiana, that's not the same as playing against, you know, a, a higher caliber opponent. But at the end of the day, it's another one of those things that you can put on LeBron's resume that 10, 15 years from now, we're talking about as we discuss, you know, the highlights of his career. That's going to be one of them. Um, as it, it's probably going to go right along with like the Detroit game, um, things like that. Still incredibly frustrating. The fact that they were, <laughs> that they managed to play themselves into that big of a hole to begin with. Um, it was sort of a confusing team, just a, a tale of two uh, like uh, halves in that game. And the clinching game four was just a tight game all along. And Cleveland is used to winning, and they were able to pull it out. Well, Indiana's not really used to winning, and they weren't. So Cavs had that fourth game in control, and and they let Indiana back into it by going real cold in the fourth quarter. And um. You know, like you said, I mean, the Cavs know how to make plays. And, you know, it, it's funny to me, like, on the one hand, I feel like a lot of fans are like, why does ESPN hate the Cavs? And, and why does TNT and, and all, all these national people, why do they hate the Cavs? And then you'll it, the same people are the ones that are, like, grumbling about, well, the Cavs always blow fourth quarter leads and LeBron can't shoot free throws. And, you know, you'll nitpick all this this stuff. And um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the Cavs – it's just, it's, it's who they are. Um, you know, and they, they just, they win in ways that defy convention. I mean, you know, you hear, you know, you, you can't coast for six months and then it just expect to flip, flip a switch. Cause that's the playoffs. Um, well they, they did. I mean, they rolled through the regular season and they got to the playoffs and, um, you know, maybe it was the closest four game sweep in league history or whatever the total margin of victory stat was that they threw out. But I mean, ask Toronto, which they would have preferred. I mean, they got stretched to six games. Boston got stretched to six games by the Bulls. Um, a sweep's still a sweep, right? Exactly. That, okay, you still <laughs> That's like the old line. Right? Like, what do they call the guy that uh, finishes, uh, you know, graduates last in his class at medical school? Doctor. Doctor. Right. You know, it's a sweep's a sweep, a doctor's a doctor. Um, you know, you, you can't flip a switch. You know, oh, they, they rely too much on playing iso ball in crunch time and, um, you know, can't hold a fourth quarter lead. They miss free throws. They don't play enough defense. You know, they have a point guard who doesn't pass first and blah, 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 and over and over and over again. And it's like, lo and behold, all those things that supposedly they're not doing it the right way, they're getting it done. And, um, you know... I'm glad you said something about, you know, if you, about LeBron, because I just, you look at his stat lines in these games and it's like, it's unfathomable to me that we're like taking these numbers for granted. You're never in your life going to see somebody in a Cleveland uniform putting up the stat lines with regularity that he's doing right now. It's, it, it's, it will never be matched. And, um, you know, I watching that game three, that comeback, they were still down by, I think double digits when, or, or maybe they had just gotten it down to single digits when he pulled up from about 30 feet from the wing um, and, and knocked down a three pointer and turned to the crowd and got that grin on his face from ear to ear. And I said, right at that point, I'm like, we're winning this game. It's over. And it's like, you could just, everybody in that crowd knew it. And it's like having a, a blowtorch like that, that can just, you know, run through everybody. It's, 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 it's unbelievable to have that. Um, and you know, moving ahead to this Toronto series, I think I'm actually a little bit more leery of them than you are. I, for my money, this is the real Eastern conference finals. I, uh, I derisively tweeted before the, uh, Boston Washington game today. I call it the Eastern conference consolation series. Because I really feel like Toronto is going to give the Cavs more of a challenge than either one of those other two teams will. Um, I know the Cavs won the first three games when they actually had uh, their whole team playing. I mean, the last game of the year, you can't even count that because all the big three were sitting. But um, Toronto made a couple of moves this year that uh, all came, that both of them, they came after the teams that already played their three games against each other. And they had, that was adding Serge Ibaka. Um, who I think is really going to help them up front and can do some things that they've needed and they really could have used last year when they played the Cavs. And they added P.J. Tucker, which um, do you remember last year? Um, 
January of 2016, you and I went to a game against the Suns. Yeah. P.J. Tucker was playing for them, and that was before the Cavs traded for Fry. I wanted them to go after P.J. Tucker back then, and I was kind of watching him in that game. And the Cavs ended up trading for Channing Fry, obviously, and that worked out great. But Tucker is a dude that can mix it up, and I think he can make LeBron work for some points. So um, those are two guys that they did not have last year that I think could um, end up helping them this year. Um, any thoughts on either one of them? Um, on P.J. Tucker? Or Abaka. Um okay. Um Tucker's a weird like he's he's sort of an interesting guy because I mean he's been in the league for a long time. Um I wanna say he's been in the league for maybe close to a decade, but he also he spent a few years somewhere else, like not in the NBA, right? Didn't he play overseas or something for a few years? Mm, let me um, look him up. Go on. Anyways, yeah, so he, I remember him in um I remember him in Phoenix and he he was he was sort of one of those players that you notice when he's playing games, like you notice him, but you never hear about him outside of an actual game. Um I think you're right, he's a nice player who could give LeBron some problems. Um I mean as many problems as you're really going to give LeBron. Um <laughs> you know, even the guy that gives him the most problems still probably gets gives up 25 to 30 points. So, um, he's, he's an interesting guy. How much he can really do. I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, go crazy thinking I'm scared of PJ Tucker. Um, he did play overseas for a while. I've got it. I've got his bio up here. Okay. So, yeah. So he left the league for a while and then came back and has been, you know, a quality contributor. Again, I don't know that you see that very often. Um, but at the same time with Ibaka, um, He's a guy that I thought that move when he got traded um, didn't make a whole lot of sense for Oklahoma City, who sent him to Orlando, right? Do I have this yeah, right? Made, yeah, and it made even less sense for Orlando. Right. It didn't really make sense for anybody. I wasn't sure exactly why they did it. Um, but now that he's in Toronto, I think he's obviously in a much better situation because Orlando was hot garbage this year. Um, but I also think... He's the kind of guy that on a good team, on a decent enough team, I'm not going to say they don't need to be that great, but on a decent team, he can be a really good player. I think on a lesser, like if he stayed in Orlando, obviously this is what we saw happen. I don't think he's a guy that can carry a team. Um, he needs to be like your third or fourth option, and he can do a lot of like the the dirty stuff. He'll be, he'll be like a Tristan Thompson type, basically. He'll do a lot of the other stuff that your stars aren't going to do. Um Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's it's interesting you mentioned Tristan because I think Tristan's going to have to cover him because, I mean, Ibaka, I, I just looked it up. He shot 40% from three-point range this year. So he's, I mean, he's not going to put up a, a ton of shots from the outside, but when he does, he's you got to respect that. And um, Kevin Love's not going to be able to go chasing him out to the perimeter, I don't think. So that could kind of, that could make things a little bit interesting. Um I'll be curious to see like what kind of a lineup they put out there with them, but that that's just one way that I'm looking at that he can make their lineups look a little bit different versus what we saw in the conference finals last year. Yeah, and I'll say as far as Toronto goes, I'm not the least bit like, and this, I don't know that anyone really talked about this, and they may have because I don't really listen to a ton of national stuff as not as much as I would probably should because the local stuff is. <laughs> falling off a bit <laughs> but um DeMar DeRozan had a game in the playoffs where he made zero field goals and scored eight points um and I've been hearing all year how he's like basically here he's not up and coming anymore he's a superstar now he scored zero field goals in a playoff game that they lost by 30 points they're dead um, in the water if that happens in this round yeah and and truthfully, I mean, he didn't he had a couple big scoring games and a couple OK games. I don't know that that's a guy that worries me. You're never I, I don't know. I think Kyle Lowry worries me more than DeMar DeRozan does, even though I think the offense goes through DeRozan a little more. Um, and he's more of their, you know, bell cow guy that they count on for scoring. I'm never really going to be worried about DeMar DeRozan beating me. I think, I mean, 
their formula for success, it's it's going to have to he's going to have to score for them a lot. Um, and if he doesn't, uh, like you suspect, then yeah, they're they're toast, and it'll be a short series. Uh, I mean that it'll be interesting to me. I didn't realize just how good he is at getting the line. He's like um, in the top four or five in the league in terms of like free throws per game. And um, if you're going to be running Jr. at him a lot in this series, Jr. is one of those guys that can't get a call to save his life. Sometimes um, that could be something to keep an eye on. And I, you know, I was reading a story on Cleveland.com at uh, at dinner time today that um, you know the Cavs have basically said like um, we're, we just want to keep him off the line, make him work for all of his points and. And get him from the field because yeah he could if he starts getting to the line a lot um you know even if jr gets in some foul trouble you could always throw shump out there and, and that's one position where thankfully the Cavs have proven to be pretty deep but um if there's a formula for how DeRozan's going to get going that that might be it so it'll be interesting to see how the Cavs defend their guards because a you've got DeRozan like I just mentioned and like what you were talking about with Lowry uh you know, Kyrie's going to have to work defensively. I, I do think um, uh, Lowry's going to have to, you know, have a big series for Toronto. And, and Kyrie was not quite what we've seen out of him in the past in the first round. I'm not going to go out and say he was horrible, but um, fourth quarters were not what we've come to expect. And I really think a lot in the second half of the year, fourth quarters. And, and when you start hearing about him having like a sore knee and things like that, you just kind of start wondering if his uh, – if he's wearing down a little bit late in games. So, um, you know. yeah, in the, uh, in, in the far and away highlight of the last series, obviously was the big comeback. Kyrie was on the bench for the entire thing, right. um, which we, we've seen that with Kevin Love before, who was also on the bench for it. But, um, we've seen that with Kevin Love before. We've never seen that with Kyrie before. Um, but the fact that I, I kind of like that Ty Lue wrote it, obviously it worked, so it's easy to look at it now and say, yeah, that was a great decision. Um, if they got it down to like five or six points and then still ended up losing the game because he never played Kyrie back in, then we're second-guessing him like crazy, right? So, yeah. So obviously that goes either way. But it, I, I do like that he rode the guys that were playing well, and Kyrie was having a really bad game, and Ty Lue was not afraid to just sit him down and say, all right, you're, you know, these guys are playing better than you, so they're going to get your minutes. Um, you don't see that a lot in the NBA. That's, that's I completely agree with everything you just said. And bringing that to where we're at now, I think it, I really feel like the Cavs have a huge coaching advantage in this series. Um, I think Ty Lue is one of the most underappreciated coaches in the league. I don't agree with everything he does, but when you give him time to prepare um, and, and even sometimes in the moment, like what he did in that game three against Indiana, um, I, I think he's really good. And um, I, I do think that as this series unfolds, I, I, I think that'll be, uh, you know, among the Cavs, many advantages that, that will, you could add that to the list as well. Um any other thoughts on the NBA playoffs and, and where we're at? Um, no, I think honestly this weekend I didn't have a whole lot of time to pay too much attention. I saw scores and whatnot. I didn't watch much of the games. Um, like I said, I was a little surprised Milwaukee lost to Toronto. I thought a week ago I thought Milwaukee was Milwaukee was going to take that series. Um, Brad Stevens, no longer Bad Stevens. Is, is, that, is, is, that, is that what I saw? Um, if, if of all the storylines that um, were possible coming into the playoffs, how high on the list of like unlikeliness would um, Rajon Rondo leaving or being unavailable obviously kills his team's chances? They go from 2 nothing to completely falling apart. And that is really the only common denominator. Who saw that happening? That is wildly bizarre, and I I would not have been the person to guess that. <laughs> Nobody would have. Nobody yeah. would have. And, and, it, and it it seems like everyone's pretty much in universal agreement, too. Like, that team went as Rajan Rondo went. Um, so, I mean, who knows what that team looks like next year. 
I know he didn't seem to seem he seemed to butt heads a lot with Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade this year. Um, so who knows if if he's even like in their long term plans to begin with? But um, kind of crazy that he was the guy that was stirring the drink for him when everything was going well, and he got hurt, was done for the series, and they just fell apart. There's a there are several teams I think that are going to look extremely different from the way we see them wrapping up 2016-17. I think Chicago could be one of them. Um, This Toronto team really could be. Uh, Lowry and P.J. Tucker and Ibaka and I think Patrick Patterson are all, um, they, they, they can all be free agents this summer. And, you know, you have to kind of wonder a little bit, like if the Cavs blow their doors off again, um, like really they did last year. I know that series went six last year, but that, that was the most one-sided six game series I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, I, you know, you gotta have to, I I think they're going to have to have a hard conversation about what they want to be going forward. If they realize that this nucleus isn't getting it done. Um, you know, talking about the games today, I think the Clippers, that, that team's going to be completely different. Uh, I mean, they uh, they dropped a game seven and looked pretty lackluster for the most part against Utah. And I'll be honest, like as somebody with the Cavs' best interest in mind, if if you want to put the Warriors through the most work possible through the Western Conference, I absolutely think that uh, Utah can make things more uh, competitive with them than the Clippers would have. The Clippers look like a team that was just dying for the season to get over with. Especially once Blake went down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jazz are tough. A, Utah's tough. Yeah, it's they're this weird. They're a team that I don't know that anybody really pays attention to because I mean, you don't know anyone that's a Jazz fan, really. Um, it's not a team that anyone really gets excited about or follows that closely. But when you watch them in the playoffs, they've they're a pretty damn solid team. Um, obviously, Gordon Hayward is is worlds better than I ever thought he was going to be in the NBA. Um, but they've got a lot of good guys and they, and they seem to play really well together. So yeah, I think you're right. I think they could, um, could give golden state. They're not going to beat them obviously, but no, they, but... Could, they could give them some issues. They could stretch to six. Who knows? Um, and yeah, I think you're right. The, the Clippers are just, they're so, they're phony. They're, I don't know. They're nothing. They're ne- They're never really going to, I don't know that they have. A, a higher ceiling than what they're showing, really, right? Never made a conference they final. Are what they are right. They they got they got into the second round. There was that year that um, they uh, they beat San Antonio in the first round, and that game seven it was the same night as the Pacquiao Mayweather fight, and uh, that was a phenomenal game seven. And they won that, and it looked like all right, they're going to really take off now and join kind of the upper echelon and fizzled out in the next round and and. They've never really gotten it back since. And, um, I mean, for the, the, the names and just the nucleus, you know, that that team had put together, that they haven't gotten at least to a conference final by now, it, it's kind of amazing. So I, I think they're going to look a lot different. Um, and then not in terms of just teams looking different, but the uh, the last series that we haven't really talked about at all, I, I think the – Houston and San Antonio is going to be super interesting to me. Uh, I know San Antonio's uh, favorite in that, but I'm going to be honest. I really like Houston to win that series. Yeah, I watched. I watched. I didn't watch a ton of Houston during the regular season, um, but I watched quite a bit of their uh, their series with Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City. City. Yeah, right. So I saw. I saw. I watched a vast majority of that series and. I'll be honest. He's a hell of a player. I can't stand watching James Harden play basketball. Like, I don't know that I've <laughs> ever seen, like, he just, everything he does, it seems like, is geared around getting a foul. Um, and he flails around nonstop. And I know that LeBron gets a lot of heat, I think, for looking for calls and whatnot. LeBron does not belong in the same discussion with, with James even, Harden. And that. Not even close. And no <laughs> one talks about it for Harden, but you hear about it with LeBron all the time. Harden, it's, it's, it is his game. It is the cornerstone of his game. 
Um, and it is painfully unentertaining basketball to watch him play. And I might be in the minority. I don't know. I know he's, you know, one of two guys that's going to get in it. That's in the running for MVP this year. Um, I just can't stand watching him play basketball. <laughs> it is just terrible basketball. They, uh, they've really kind of made a leap this year though. I'm, I'm surprised. I, I was not expecting them to be in the mix, but, um, and I don't know who out of them in San Antonio. I mean, you could certainly make a case for the the uh, the Spurs with with Kawhi and and their cast. But I was kind of shaken on them a little bit seeing Memphis stretch them to six games, um, and competitive. They, uh, you know, I, I we'll see what happens there. But that that's that series I think is kind of paired up with the Cavs in terms of those games are going to be going on the same day. Uh, throughout the next round so that'll be a fun double header every other night for us to be watching I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah also um i just saw this number it's gonna be may 1st tomorrow and in the last like almost four weeks lebron's played like five basketball games yeah <laughs> that's a good thing that's really good um so for everybody who's talking about lebron not getting enough rest yeah he he finds his own rest, um, which is good. Obviously, I think he he's not going to be cutting minutes in the playoffs. Obviously, during games, so if he can shorten these series and get himself a couple extra days of rest, obviously, um, he's obviously a freak of nature and, and defies a lot of common wisdom about how the human body should function. <laughs> but but. Um, even he'll tell you, you know, that rest helps. It helps a lot. And I think we'll expect them to look um, fresh. And I think they'll look a lot fresher than Toronto is going to look in general because they, they had a tough series. I know they ended up winning and, and all that, but that was a Milwaukee was not a pushover for them, even though they took it in. I think they took it in five, right? Six. Was it six? Okay. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that's a team I, I, I think I said on here a few months ago, I wanted to see Oklahoma city in person next year. Cause I want to see Russell Westbrook play live. Um, I'm adding the bucks to that list as well, because I, I have to see Giannis live that that guy is had the Cavs been if this next series that in the Eastern semis was uh, with Milwaukee at, I'm almost sure I'd be going to one of these two games this week. Cause I, I, I think that's going to be a fun team um, oh, for yeah, years for to sure. come for sure. And he's, um, Giannis is obviously, he's arrived this year. He is everything. I think that people thought he had the potential to be, but I don't know that anyone ever thought he'd be this good. Um, especially this quickly. Um, what did you, did you watch a lot of the Rockets Oklahoma city series enough to like have my brain melted by some of the coaching decisions and the strategies at the end of a couple of those games. But yeah, Russell, Russ Westbrook, he's a guy that I honestly thought, and I, I watched him here and there during this season. I didn't watch him a ton. I watched him a lot more um, closely in the playoffs than I did during the regular season. He, incredibly fun to watch. Like, you love the way he plays. At the same time, I sort of thought he was chasing the triple-double in nearly every game. And oh, once yeah. he got I mean, it, reverted to those old tendencies that you'd like to see him go away from. It's yeah. like, oh, how many assists do I have? I got 10. Okay, I can just chuck threes now. <laughs> um, which, obviously, it came back to bite him. In fourth quarter, like, he was obviously the guy that kept them in games. But in the fourth quarters, he was just taking horrible shot after horrible shot. And you can't knock him too much because he kept them in these games and he was, you know, he was pretty much their entire team. Um, I almost wonder how much of that was Houston saying, okay, we're going to let him get his. We're going to seal yeah, off everybody else. So That's true. But I'm with you in terms of the two MVP guys going against each other. Um, couldn't be more opposite on the spectrum of how entertaining they are to watch. Um, <laughs> I'm not paying to see James I, I, Harden next year. Exactly. I think that's the moral of the story here. James Harden, his teams might do better and he might end up winning the MVP. I would pay money to watch Russell Westbrook. I have zero desire to watch James Harden play live. Yeah. Well, 
Um, geez, oh man, we've been going over an hour. Oh, geez. <laughs> Just looked at the clock. Well, I think uh, I think that's enough. Unless right. you have anything else you need to get off your chest. No, let's wrap it up. All right, I had a whole thing on the Indians and um, advanced stats and baseball, but forking uh, insane. Let's uh, let's let's save that for another day. Um, Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, you guys all know the drill by now. You can catch all of our old episodes on our website, thenailpodcast.com. You can uh, subscribe to our show if you haven't done so already on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. We had a really cool episode up earlier this week with uh, Kurt Angle of WWE. Um, Posted that, I believe that went up on Monday. Also, go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Nail Podcast. We had talked about uh, possibly doing Facebook Live during the draft. Uh, It did not come to fruition. But uh, I don't know. I'd be open to doing that at some point here uh, in the future if there's another event going on that we might want to jump on there for. Thoughts? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, folks. That's uh, If that doesn't sell you nothing, well. That's analysis for you, right? <laughs> Tanks running on empty, man. I think it's been a long weekend for all of us. So, uh, all right, well, Kev's uh, finally pick it up here on Monday night, and uh, I don't know when we'll be back, um, but uh, for Travis Julie, it's Tom Valentino. This has been The Nail in the Coffin, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.